We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. to the award-winning Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast presented by FanDuel. It is Friday, October 20th, 2017. DJ Trainer here joined by Shannon McEwen. Ken Kreitz, again, he has kids and he does stuff on Fridays. How dare he, Shannon? How dare he? It's all right. We're going to have one of our most popular episodes again. Wow. All right. Take that, Ken. This podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Of course, feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You know that we'd absolutely love to have it. Quick overview of the Friday pod. Shannon and I will go over some top news now that we are essentially one game into the season, two games if you're Boston Celtics. We will then go over our waiver wire targets. Yes, we've only seen one game, but there are still some uh, interesting candidates probably sitting on everybody's waiver wire right now. We will finish things off as we normally do on the Friday pod with our FanDuel picks, our DFS Friday picks. So um, without further ado, let's get into some top news here. A uh, big one that we have not touched on yet, Shannon. Jeremy Lin to miss the rest of the season with a patellar tendon rupture in his right knee. What are some obvious candidates? You know, Maybe this bleeds into our waiver wire discussion to replace the minutes that Lin is going to leave behind for the whole season. Yeah, I, the two most obvious candidates for me are Lavert and Crab. Um, Crab, they they've kind of they've been bringing off the bench or through one game they brought him off the bench and the plan was kind of bring him along slowly because he he wasn't at full strength yet. Um, but now he's going to be he's going to get a ton of minutes. I think Lavert is just as good of a candidate to to possibly start. I, the net the Nets haven't said he's going to start yet. It's going to be one of those two, I would imagine. Um, and those are the two who are going to see their fantasy value increase the most. For a longer shot, Kilpatrick. But again, I mean, he was a he was a DNP coach's decision in the first game of the season, and I don't expect him to be a big part of the rotation this year. So he, I almost feel like he would need Levert or Crab to get hurt to really factor in, in the 
fantasy side of things. If you've been on rotowire.com, and by the way, you can get a free trial. Just go to Google, type in rotowire, free trial, get free 10 days access to the website. You can go check out all the depth charts we have. And I got to be honest with you, though, the Brooklyn depth chart is just a mess. And it's it's not our fault. It's just the fact that they have below average players and they're all kind of just the same. Like we're waiting for, you know, one, two, even three guys to rise up here. But we've just got young, unproven talent where it's really, really hard to project who, in fact, is going to take over minutes for Lynn. Now, based on how much they are paying people on their roster, easy answer here for me is Crab, um, where ideally he'd be playing at the small forward position. But I think that they're going to find ways to sh- get him in there at shooting guard, run with a backcourt of D'Angelo Russell and Alan Crab, Damari Carroll at small forward. That seems to be your crunch time lineup. That seems to be just your majority lineup that they're going to roll with um you know I, I i like your suggestion shannon but i don't feel confident like and when it comes to fab money i'm not putting more than you know four dollars on any of the other players you mentioned outside of crab i i just i have no confidence that they're going to roll with one guy way more than they would another guy outside of crab given that no i i hear you i hear you and the thing is i'm not i'm just not too high on crap because of what we saw from him in Portland last year. I mean, he averaged almost 29 minutes per game, under 10.7 points, you know, 1.73 pointers. So he's a three-point threat, and he'll help you in that one category. But I just don't feel like there's across-the-board production that's going to be stellar. I mean, he gets a bump. So now, you know, instead of instead of being projected for 11 or 12 points. You know, maybe we project him for 13 points per game and a couple three-pointers for the rest of the way, which is fine. There's value there. The guy who I think has a little bit more upside is Levert, which is why I would target him instead. In the first game, he played 28 minutes, and that was with that was with Lynn healthy for most of the game. Uh, and he, he had 12 points, two rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block, and a three. I like Levert as, as a sneakier option. You probably could get him cheaper than Crab as well. This doesn't bode well for our sanity, Shannon, but we're going to be talking about this Nets team all season long for two reasons. One, because, you know, they're just going to be playing different guys, random minutes, waiting for somebody to rise above. And number two, they gave up 140 points to the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers were generally considered to be a lottery team coming into this season, meaning when we talk about Friday FanDuel picks, we are going to hope always that Brooklyn is playing. So we'll talk about them again at the end of the pod. Um, another you know, another interesting thing here, Mozgov was going even in deep drafts, just very, very late. And for somebody who's actually going to be a bona fide starter, at least to begin the season, it's kind of amazing how late he was going. Um, but, you know, it obviously was for a reason. He only played 14 minutes as a starter. They didn't even go to Jared Allen. They ran out uh, uh, center of Trevor Booker for most of the game. There's just not a lot to like from a fantasy perspective with the Nets, um, but there's a whole lot to like if you want to target them from a DFS perspective. Yeah, and it goes without saying, but D'Angelo Russell, is also going to get a significant bump with Lynn out. Uh, I mean, he's going to have the ball in his hands 100% of the time now. He's not going to be sharing any responsibilities with Lynn. So if if, if you were already high on D'Angelo, or may, maybe you didn't get him in the draft, it's worth sending out trade offers for him now because his value has increased now that wins out for the rest of the year. Moving from one end of the spectrum to the complete other, the Warriors have upgraded Draymond Green dealing with that knee strain to probable for Friday's game versus the Pelicans. Of course, probable essentially means he has a 75% chance of playing. That's pretty good, Shannon. Um, That's great for fantasy owners that have invested in Draymond Green. My question to you to answer in place of the Warriors is why? This is game two, and none of these games really matter for the Warriors anyway. The reason why is because it's not hurt. Like, if if he was actually hurt, if it was any, if they had to be air on the side of caution, they would. It's not a serious injury. You know, they were airing on the, I believe they were airing on the side of caution when they said he was doubtful originally. They're just like, yeah, we're not going to risk it. And then they realized, oh, there's absolutely nothing wrong, so he's probable he's going to play. Now, the, the ramifications of if Green were hurt, because we know this isn't this isn't the injury. He's, he's not going to be out, probably not even for a single game. Um, not even for a single minute, because right. he didn't even come out of yeah, the game when out. he suffered the injury exactly. in the opener. Yeah, exactly. So, but if he were to miss some time, we found out yesterday who would 
who would probably be the starter in a spot. Steve Kerr mentioned that Jordan Bell would probably get the start in really? place of Draymond Green. Yes. I did not pick up on that, although I will say when I watched that opening game, Jordan Bell was like a puppy dog to Draymond. After every play, he went up and was just like, what should I do, Draymond? Tell me what to do, Draymond. Give me a high five, Draymond. And, and I think that's good. That's good for somebody like Bell to just say, let me be your protege. I want to learn everything from you. Um, so the fact that you know he's being molded in the same mold as Draymond Green is, is good for Jordan Bell's future, for sure. Jordan Bell's motto He's he said this multiple times that WWDD, what would Draymond do? Like that's, that's a direct quote from Jordan Bell. Um, but if you watch Jordan Bell at all in the preseason, or even if you saw him play in, in the 10, 10 or 12 minutes of action he got in the first game, he's just so energetic. He gets, he gets stats when he's on the floor. So if Draymond ever misses ex- extended time, Jordan Bell is a must-add in, in uh, any 12-team league. I agree that from a, it always comes down to playing time, and you're right. He's going to be the direct filler there. The the one area where I just I gotta wait until I see it before I believe it is Draymond is such a good passer. It's hard to duplicate for somebody from Bell's size. Yeah, Bell's not going to get the he's not going to get the assist, but he will get steals, blocks, rebounds, points. I agree. And, and I I will I will say even if Bell carves out like 24 minutes per game, I believe that's enough time for how energetic he is and how how. Quickly, he can fill up the stat sheet. He can be fantasy relevant with only like 24 minutes per game. So often we romanticize role players on the Warriors or any good teams. Are you willing to admit that maybe you're romanticizing? And and granted, somebody like Nick Young can go and play in that system and all of a sudden he's relevant across all formats, at least after one game. Um, do, do you think that, I mean, it's only been one game, but are, are, you, are you a believer where Bell is going to have a Draymond-esque-like career? It's possible. I okay. do I do believe in him as a talent. I think he's okay. a really good player. I think he has lots of upside. And, and just from the fantasy perspective, it's because he can fill it up with, in multiple categories. Like, he's going to get you steals and blocks and rebounds, and, and he'll score, and the percentage it should be a decent percentage because he's going to be dunking the ball a lot. There you go. All right, moving on. To my favorite team, my homeland, Shannon. Oklahoma City Thunder last night had their opener on Thursday against the Knicks. Shots breakdown. Paul George, 23. Melo, 20. Russell Westbrook with 12. But, of course, Russell got his triple-double as he normally does. 21, 10, and 6. It was all smiles. It was all high fives. It was all dabbing last night. These three guys were harmonious. But then again, they had the game in hand pretty much the majority of the way. Nothing to worry about here. Initial reaction to this new three, uh, you know, three duo, big three, whatever you want to call them, coming together and, you know, taking care of business. Well, first I would like to say Westbrook's shot total, 12 field goal attempts, is somewhat misleading because he also went to the line 10 times. Mm. So 10 attempts from the free throw line just proves that he's still attacking. He's still getting plenty of opportunity on the offensive end from a scoring standpoint. And he's going to continue to do so. But he's not going to be the 30-point-per-game scorer he was last year. He can still rack up triple doubles, as we saw last night. But he is going to give looks to both Carmelo and Paul George. So... You know, I think what we saw last night is probably what to expect. I mean, you could have you could have Mello and George average between 18 and 24 points per game and Westbrook, Westbrook be around 25 or 26. But Westbrook's still a top five fantasy player because he's pulling down triple doubles every day. A couple side notes from this game that I'd just like to mention. Uh, Alex Abrinas looked like he was hobbling on one leg. He's, he had a, like a massive brace on. I never really noticed I didn't even realize that was a thing coming into the season. He, I mean, he was limping up the court. He still played 24 minutes, and I might be overreacting, but he just did not look fleet of foot last night whatsoever. Not that he's even relevant in deeper leagues, but, you know, those of us, me included, who have him in a keeper league format where he's just kind of on my minor league bench of right now, not excited to see that. And, of course, as a Thunder fan, hope that knee gets better because, it was just it was odd. I, I and almost to the point where it looked like he shouldn't even be out there. Another one is Ron Baker for the Knicks played twenty three minutes, which is about what he did last season. He was handling the ball a lot, and now when it came to assists, he got four, four assists, three steals. 
and and they don't really have a lot going on. I know that you know you're waiting for your rookie your rookie point guard to come back, but depending on when Frankie smokes, Frankie Nicotine, uh, Nilakina, his actual name comes back, and how much he plays over the course of the season, Ron Baker might actually be a decent source for cheap assists in the deepest of leagues because he handled the ball a lot when he was on the court last night. He will handle the ball a lot, and and I do think. You know, what, once Frankie Smokes gets to full strength, he played eight minutes last night. The right. reason why Frank, the only reason why I believe Frankie Smokes didn't start was because he missed basically the entire preseason. Sure, you give the you give him a couple more weeks, and I think he could w- work his way into the starting lineup. We'll see. He's still going to be really raw, so he's not he's not a a highly desirable fantasy option this year. Like you're you're. You're hoping for upside, but but he's going to be raw. It's going to come along slowly, even after he starts. Ramon Sessions, we didn't see much from him last night. He, you know, 21 minutes, he only had two points, one assist. He's never been a great creator. Like his one his one skill that's really his one go to move in the NBA has always been getting to the rack, and that's about all he can do. Hey, I just don't believe in him. I don't think he's going to do much. So yeah, Ron Baker until Frankie Smokes is ready is. Probably the point guard on the Knicks with the most upside. I, we should also see Tim Hardaway handling the ball more. Yes. He had a horrible game last night. He was three for ten, eight points, only one assist. Um, he also had, he was in foul trouble in the first half. So I would expect him to come back, really bounce back, and be better in game two and beyond. I don't know about that. I think this is Tim Hardaway. Now, granted, this low was a very low low, but his highs get up there, and obviously at the end of the season, he settles his averages settle somewhere in the middle. But I think if, if you're invested in Tim Hardaway, you have to realize that this he's prone to this type of night, but you know he'll get you back in a couple games from now or something like that with an amazing performances. You average those two performances out, okay, he's averaging 15 points per game, yada, yada. I'm not saying there won't be inconsistency with Tim Hardaway. We've seen him play for long enough that that, that is a part of his game. But he didn't get any stats in the, in, the, in the first quarter. He had zeros across the board because he picked up two fouls almost immediately. Right. He is, and, and the game was basically over going into the fourth quarter. You know, they were down, the Knicks were down by 20 points at that stage. So I'm not taking this, I'm not taking this at face value and just looking at his stat line. He's going to play about five more minutes per game most nights, and, and he's going to be out there doing more with the ball. Yeah. Um, a couple other takeaways. Uh, Enos Cantor got the start at center. He played tw- only played 22 minutes, though. So, And also, he was playing against his, his former team, Oklahoma City Thunder. I want to know, like, was that part of the decision to start him? Maybe just kind of get that revenge game in, and the coach was giving him the nod. Uh, but he played 22 minutes versus four for Hernan, Hernan Gomez. What, what do you do with Hernan Gomez? Well, that's the weird thing. And what's funny is that Cantor used to be in this position, right, when he was in Utah. Both he and Derek Favors were sitting behind uh, Paul Millsap and Al Jefferson. And we were all clamoring, like, okay, you know, get rid of Paul Millsap, trade him away, trade away Al Jefferson, bring in somebody else. This is when Gordon Hayward in his first few years with Utah. And, and we knew that these guys were going to be amazing fancy guys, Favors and Cantor. And finally, the way was cleared for them, and now they've kind of come into their own. And and now I think Willie Hernan Gomez is kind of the new version of, of Favors and Cantor back in the day. But I, I, I think Hernan Gomez is one of the few bright spots on this team outside of Porzingis. And I'm not really ready to say Nilakina is a is a bright spot on this team so far. But but why would you bring in Cantor if he wasn't going to start the majority of games? It's tough because Canner and Hernan Gomez cannot be on the court at the same time together. So with your belief that Canner's going to hold on to the starting job, does that mean you cut Willie? In fantasy formats? Yeah, in like 10 or 12 team leagues, but you cut him loose. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't drafting him. I thought he was getting drafted too high. In deeper leagues, I love him because if Canner gets hurt, if Porzingis gets hurt, then you're talking about a guy that when he steps into 25 minutes can get a double-double. It, it, you know, and, and that's what Derek Favors and Ennis Cantor were like uh, back in the day too, but they were only seeing you know 18 minutes per game, and it just wasn't enough, even though their per 36 numbers were, were fantastic. So there's just not a route for minutes for Willie. There's right. Just- I mean, Kyle O'Quinn got 22 minutes off the bench, so basically he got playing time over Willie Hernan Gomez last night. Mm-hmm. I That might stay the same in the short term, um, but 
I have to expect that eventually the Knicks will hand over that playing time off the bench to Hernan Gomez. And as we saw last season, as you saw in the preseason this year, like the kid can do damage with 20 to 24 minutes per game. You know, he'll get lots of rebounds, get maybe get a block. Um, I'm cutting him loose in 10 team leagues, but 12 or 14, there's probably it, it depends on what's on the waiver wire, but he's worth stashing for a little bit longer. You're playing the long game with Hernan Gomez, so whatever that means to you in whatever kind of format you're playing. Um, for me, in head-to-head leagues, maybe I'm going to hold on to him longer because he might be peaking when it comes around to the playoffs, head-to-head playoffs. In rotisserie leagues, I don't know if I can wait that long. And then moving on to another member of the Knicks front court, one other takeaway from the Knicks game is Porzingis. He chucked up 25 shots. He had 31 points, 12 rebounds, only one block, two threes. He's going to get more blocks. He's going to get you steals. Uh, but 31-12, and 12, that's a big game. Considering that he averaged just shy of 15 shot attempts per game, Melo leaving, them just being a worse team overall, I I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged somewhere near 20 shots a game. Why why not? I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna. It's gonna take me some time, so I'll update this in a few minutes. But I'm gonna pull up and see how many times he had 30, 30 and 10 last year, and 25 shots per game because that's that's a huge workload. His usage is gonna be through the roof this year. Um, if you if you if you got him at the second round, you're going to be happy. All right, Shannon, you look that up, and I'll tell the fine folks here about SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Uh, you know, I've come on before. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. In fact, next week I will be going to the Bulls Thunder game in Chicago thanks to the SeatGeek app. And, of course, SeatGeek saved me time, saved me money because searching multiple ticket sites is just not something I can handle in my busy day, obviously. It doesn't end with sports, by the way. Ken Kreitz, big theater fans, SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. Best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONBA today. That's R-O-T-O-N-B-A for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone. Shannon, how many 30 and 10 performances did Porzingis have last season? Zero. Oh. How many How many times did he put up 25 shots? Zero. Really? Yeah. So this is a whole new... If you were high on Porzingis at any point last season or his rookie season, then you should be over the moon yeah. with him You're coming damn, into this season. You're damn happy right now. Exactly right. A couple more bits of news here. Perhaps we buried the lead, especially if you turn on ESPN, Fox News, anywhere else right now. Lonzo Ball played last night, Shannon. He made his pro debut. Bad baller brand. Bad baller brand. Uh, clobbered by the Clippers, obviously. He finished with 3-9-4, and four, a steal and a block, two turnovers, which – is definitely going to be on the low end, I would think, for him over the course of the season. 29 minutes, sat in the fourth quarter. Everybody's just ready to pounce on him. Patrick Beverly is arguably the best defender of point guards in the league. This is about as rough as a matchup as he could have seen. I thought he was posed, composed, um, poised and composed. Um, you know, when Beverly was basically just you know, in his face the whole night. I liked what I saw out of Lonzo Ball. Let's not forget he's a rookie, just like any other rookie that's ever come into the league. He still showed some flashes, some full-court vision. He was whipping some two-handed passes, three-quarter lengths, you know, right off the rebound. One of the things about Lonzo that maybe I didn't quite realize is, you know, similarly to Russell Westbrook last year, in order to initiate your offense faster, it makes sense for the point guard to grab the rebound, turn around, make a decision. And they and that's what we saw from the Lakers last night is it's it's uh, you know all agreed upon that Lonzo grabs the rebound and then he initiates the offense 
And so, you know, you can call it cheap rebounds if you want, but they count nonetheless. And I was pretty excited to see that. I don't have any stake in any rookies across, you know, all my leagues. Um, but Lonzo's going to average maybe four or five rebounds per game easy this year. Easy. Easy. I agree with you there. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's some – the takeaway – the main takeaway from Lonzo's debut is, like you said, he faced one of the best defensive backcourt players in the league. There's, there's probably not a tougher matchup for him that he'll face this year. So this is probably, you know, some people are going to have bad taste about him, but I won't worry about it. I mean, yes, I still think that field goal percentage will be will hurt you in rotisserie leagues, turnovers if you're in a nine-category league. But there's a lot of upside and a lot of things I like here. The nine rebounds, one steal, one block. Those are all great things. The fact that he only played 29 minutes, it was a blowout. They lost by, they lost by 16 points. And the game was effectively over. I mean, they were down by 24 going into the fourth quarter, which is why he sat. So he's going to be getting crunch time minutes in, in good games when, when it's actually competitive. I like for, for instance, I love him tonight. Like I think he's going to blow up tonight against Phoenix. Um, it's such Eric, a great matchup. Eric Bledsoe is pretty good on defense, yes. but he's not Patrick Beverly. There aren't really many Patrick Beverleys. So over the course of the season, it, it seems to me like he's starting out with some of the hardest guys, and over 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 the next couple weeks, he's going to see some way better matchups. Phoenix being a better matchup, but I'm still a little bit concerned of him going up with Bledsoe. I'm not, just because okay. <laughs> Phoenix as a, as a whole, I mean, they just lost by over 50 points it's to true. Portland. They have one of the West worst team defenses in the league. Um, so I think Lonzo is going to have a field day tonight. Last bit of news, if you will. Uh, Bulls starting five last night. Everybody plugged their noses. Grant, Holiday, Zipser, Markinen, and Lopez. Uh, for Toronto, uh, Norman Powell starts over C.J. Miles, but C.J. Miles went off. He had all the room in the world last night. 25 minutes um, to Powell, 20 to C.J., but C.J., I believe, I don't have the box score up, had six threes, like 22 points. He, he, he's going to be a three-point specialist across all leagues. Um, I actually have a lot of stake in him. Um, believe it or not, I was taking him at the later ends of drafts in, in the hope that he would be a three-point specialist. Um, that's what we got from him last night, and I'm pretty content that that ended up working out for me. Granted, only one game in. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into C.J. Miles' performance. Like you said, he hit six threes. He was six for nine from downtown. That's only going to happen, you know, maybe a handful of times in the season. But you're right. He will have value as a three-point specialist. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, I think he he gives that team a stretch component that they don't have. I mean, I know they have a Baca now in the starting lineup, but they need more spacing, so he helps with that. Um, but it looks like he's going to be running with the second unit long term. Now, Norman Powell, if he's available in your leagues, he's, he's definitely worth a look. He played 25 minutes last night. This was another blowout. So it's possible that Powell will play more minutes. Also, there's going to be games where C.J. Miles isn't lights out from downtown. So, so that only increase Powell's usage. Um, but Powell, 15 points, four rebounds, three threes himself, a steal. I, I like what we can get from him, even even with Lowry, DeRozan healthy. You know, the story with Norman Powell last year was always if one of those two were hurt, especially like DeRozan. DeRozan sat, you knew Powell would go off. Um, but he's he's an interesting option in 12 and 14 team leagues now that now that he's a starter. Shannon, let's move on to the heart of the podcast, and that is waiver wire targets. Every team in the NBA has played one game. Some of us are ready to say we were wrong in some areas. Some of us were ready are ready to say we were dead right. Nonetheless, you know we need to be put put pride aside. Look at the waiver wire and make good decisions here. The obvious starting place is the Boston backcourt. Gordon Hayward out for the season. Obviously, there's going to be some minutes to go around. Just to name the three guys that seem like they're going to get the benefit here, Terry Rozier, um, who's been, I I think he's leading the league in steals. He has to be since Boston has played two games. Uh, Marcus Smart, of course, and then Jalen Brown. If you wouldn't mind just prioritizing those three guys in your mind if all three of them were sitting on the waiver wire. I'm going to add Marcus Morris and Jason Tatum to that mix as well um, because I felt like Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, and Jason Tatum in, in most 12-team leagues were kind of fringe guys. Mm-hmm. They would get drafted in some leagues, not get drafted in others. They're all – all. I, I don't think Rozier is a must-own yet, um, but the other four, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Morris – 
all are must-own players. This, this Celtics team is not very deep anymore. Um, just losing that one piece hurts them a lot. But Tatum and Brown are basically locked into starting roles for the entire season now. Unless they crap the bed, they're both going to be starters for the rest of the year. Marcus Morris is going to be the starting power forward as soon as he returns next week. And Smart and Rogier will be the sixth and seventh up, men off the bench. Smart will get more minutes than Rogier. But for me, I'm going Brown, Tatum, Marcus Morris in that order. Brown and Tatum are just, there's crazy upside. I've loved what I've seen. They both have the pedigree. I've loved what I've seen from both of them. Brown had a first two, was great in both the first two games. Um, there's just tons of upside. And now that they're both locked into 32 plus minutes per game, I, I'm picking them both up. Yeah, I don't have much disagreeance with you there, although I do think more credit needs to be given to Terry Rozier. Um, again, like I said, he has six total steals, two and four, and he accomplished that in just 47 total minutes of playing time. A nice bump in this last game out against Milwaukee. He got you six assists, seven rebounds, 15 points. Oh, yeah, made three three-pointers in a 27-minute role like and that's realistic like he could play 24 28 minutes a game and if 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 he's showing us that's what he can produce in that amount of time slot then uh he's somebody that i think i'm gonna target couple of issues that i have with rogier is one Kyrie irving played like crap against the bucks that's why rogier got more minutes two marcus morris is out and rogier is going to be the one not not the guys who are comparable size or play comparable positions it's going to be rogier that's going to suffer from that because they'll Marcus, slide up yeah, right gonna, marks Morris is going to start at four tatum at three or you know they are interchangeable they're both they're the three and the four whichever one you want to call the power forward is fine mm-hmm. jalen brown is the two and Kyrie, of course is the one and then you've got marcus smart as the sixth man rogier is the clear seventh man in their rotation which is fine he could still hold some value but I mean, you're talking more like a Jamal Crawford-type value than than some something else. I like Smart, I think, even as a six-man because they're so shallow now. And, and he's going to basically be the backup at three positions, at the one, two, and the three. He can play any of those three positions. He's going to get a significant run and, and hold ownership value in 12 team, you know, 10 and 12 team weeks. Uh, maybe not 10, but definitely 12. Um, but Brown, Jalen Brown, he's my top out of all the guys because I think even 10 team leagues, he holds value now. Wow. There you go. Um, one issue with uh, Rogier, Smart, and Brown is field goal percentage. Uh, you know, over the course of Marcus Smart career, he's never shot better than 38% from the floor. Terry Rogier in his first two seasons, his highest was 36.7%. Granted, you know, that's one stat out of a potential nine total. Um, and those other guys are, are going to help you out there in that regard. So uh, definitely the Boston backcourt. Thanks to Shannon for breaking that down. Let's also talk about the Nets backcourt. We mentioned Jeremy Lin coming out. I guess we don't have to. We, we really covered. We got it covered. Alan Crabb is, is the big one there. And then there's a carousel, but you really like Levert maybe more than yeah, the other guys. Yeah, Crabb's probably already owned in, in most deeper leagues, 12 or 14 team leagues. He probably already got a look. Um, you know, in that C.J. Miles vein, someone was trying to draft a three-point shooter late. Um, but Levert is widely available. Um, I don't like either of those options for 10-team leagues, but 12 or 14-team leagues, I think they're both going to hold value. All right, rookies. Um, this rookie class is outstanding. Um, I, they were verging on a record of most rookies in their opening night to score double-digit points. I'm not sure if that was reached last night or not. Um, but I think we went into last night with 12 rookies scoring double-digit points in their opener. One of the best rookie classes you know we've ever seen in the last 20 years. So let's talk about some of these rookies that fell in the draft, um, not only in fantasy but in the real draft, and had awesome performances. First of all, Dylan Brooks for Memphis came out of really nowhere. He was highly touted in Oregon. Had some weird stuff where he was, in terms of fantasy college basketball, he was supposed to be one of the best a couple years ago, and for whatever reason, he was moved to a bench roll, and things just kind of soured and got kind of weird um, in Oregon for him. But again, all those accolades were still underneath all that weirdness that happened in Oregon, um, and he came out and, and had an awesome performance. Our prospect analyst, James Anderson, told you, Shannon, yesterday that you might have a longer wingspan than Dylan Brooks, and you are just an average-sized male American. Um, so obviously, you know, there's... 
he would have been drafted higher if he was an amazing prospect. But Memphis has always been the team that struggles to score, so maybe he's perfect for what they need. It's it's tough. I know people are going to probably see the 29 minutes off the bench, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 4 steals, and 2 blocks, and just be like, damn, i got to pick this dude up. I mean, he's probably ranked in the top 20 most fantasy leagues. If you look there. at waiver wire, he's yeah. like at the top. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not saying he isn't worth a flyer in 14-team leagues, but in 10 or 12-team leagues, I'm probably not putting a bid on him. Um, it's just highly unlikely there's a player I'd want to drop who, who's, who doesn't hold more upside than Brooks does. I need to see more from him. Because even in the preseason, for instance, you know, he was he was playing 20 to 25 minutes, you know, maybe upwards to 30 minutes some games. And he wasn't. He didn't have a game like this. It's it's so tough because you and I love, and, and every fantasy player should love those guard eligible, those small forward eligible guys that can just get blocks, steals, and some assists. I mean, two assists, four steals, and two blocks. Like that's just crying out to me, Shannon. I mean, he attempted two three pointers, didn't make them, but it's it's within his game. Um, I've gone back and forth. Just, you know, maybe I'd grab them and, you know, put in a $1 bid, a $0 bid if that's allowed in your leagues and see maybe just because of the dynamic of Memphis in knowing that, you know, they tried to bring in Chandler Parsons. It hasn't really worked out as a scorer. Tyreek Evans is now in here, but, you know, who knows with him. Um, Jeff Green, you know, they've tried to bring in scoring first players and it's never worked. So I'm, I'm just wondering if he is perfectly going to fit a need that they've had over the last few years so that's why i go back and forth but you know me being realistic you know i'm not going to put more than one dollar on a fab on him this this coming you know fab processing period again i have no issues picking him up in 14 team leagues i just think there's too much good depth available in, in 10 or 12 team leagues to, to go to reach for him so we thought laurie marketing was going to start in Chicago, and that did ultimately happen. Little did we know that Bobby Portis was going to cheap shot uh, Nikola Miritich and get suspended for eight games. Miritich is out for an extended period of time, so now Markinen is locked into a major role right off the right off the bat. Here, he played 33 minutes last night. Power forward, 17 points. Uh, two three-pointers out of six, shot five of six from the line, eight rebounds, more than I was expecting for him because he is not a good rebounder despite his size. Um, if he can go in there and occasionally get eight rebounds, then my projection for him is off because I was thinking he's more of a Ryan Anderson type where, you know, three and a half rebounds, four rebounds per game. I, w- I would put him at about six and a half rebounds per game. He's For his size, he's a bad rebounder, but... I mean, we've dealt with bad rebounders before, Ryan Anderson, Brick Lopez. He's going to have enough value because he's still going to block shots. He should score with this team, and, and he's going to hit threes. So field goal percentage isn't going to be where you want it to be for a big man, um, but I think there's going to be enough there for him to hold value in 12-team leagues. Um, I'm taking a flyer on him in some 10-team league, leagues. It just matters on roster construction there and depth, depth, total depth of your league. Um, but he... To me, he has a lot of upside. He started off slow last night, ended up finishing with with a pretty damn good game. Um, I just look at the rest of the team, and you know, even after Mir- Miritich and Porter gets back, I don't I don't think Porter's going to be a big part of the rotation this year. He'll get some minutes off the bench. Miritich is going to start, but I I still I think Markinen's got the most upside. I think the team's going to want to go young, so I'm. I'm going with marketing. I'm picking them up. I'm going strong, picking them up in all 12 team leagues and maybe some deeper time. Yeah. Ken Christ might not be here, but his spirit still lives on through Shannon. Bobby Portis. You called him Porter. But yeah. That's all the auto Porter hype, the Porter Jr. guy in Missouri. The, so the one thing also holding me back from marketing was that they were going to play Miritich simultaneously. And what marketing has the opportunity now to do is say, hey, guess what, guys? I'm the future. I'm the man. I need to be playing 32 minutes a game. And he has a chance to prove that thanks to Bobby Portis, you know, taking out Miritich. So, you know, we could be seeing a situation where if you haven't dropped Miritich already, Markinen might grab that power forward spot and never let go over the course of the season. He's been given that opportunity. Now we need to see if he can actually execute it and say, hey, guys, don't even play Miritich because I'm the guy you want on the court. Um, Donovan Mitchell out in Utah. People have been really high on him. He's been one of the ones that over the course of summer league, over the course of preseason, people are coming around to him saying he was drafted too late. 
Um, you know, how viable is Ricky Rubio? We know he has a checkered injury history. Um, but then again, you know, there's a spot open at shooting guard. Um, if they want it to be, you know, they could shift things around and move Mitchell into the starting lineup if he truly does show that he deserves to see lots of minutes. Um, what did you see from him in the first game that has you potentially adding him in, you know, 12, 14 team leagues, if, well, if that? Well, I want to throw some caution because people see that he started the first game and, and think like, okay, we need to go get this guy. He was super impressive in summer league. He had a great preseason. But that's not necessarily the case with Mitchell. He played 26 minutes. He had 10 points, four assists, a block, a rebound. Um, but he only started because Rodney Hood ended up coming off the bench. Rodney Hood had some kind of gastro and gastro issue that he's had throughout his whole life. Where essentially, I don't know if it's nerves or what, but before a game, like he just has to go to the bathroom. Like, well, that's that's DJ, basically it. You know how things go before podcasts with me. Well, so yeah, I was going to say I, you were the expert here. Yes, Tell us I about am it. Expert. No, it's 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 a legit issue. I deal with it every day. It's it's horrible, and it gets worse in other situations. I've often thought about like how would I handle things like like playing in a basketball mm-hmm. game, or you know, even I had to I had to be up and be a presenter and a, a speaker at a conference one time, and it was horrible because it hits me, and you got it. That that's what you have to do. You have to go. So like I worry about it all the time. So if Hood, if Hood's dealing with anything like I. No, that's exactly that's exactly what he is dealing with. Yeah, yeah, that could happen from time to time. But you also you can be smart about it. Like, yeah, rec league basketball. There's been times. (laughs) There's been times where you know you just make sure you make sure you eat the right way the day or two before, and the day of, and you take care of your business before the game starts. You'll usually be fine. So I'm sure I'll have it under control. I wouldn't expect it to be a, a lingering issue where, oh, no, he doesn't start you know, 20% of the games because he's in the toilet crapping. That's not going to be the case. But Mitchell only started because Hood had to take a dump. Right? Yes. That's the only reason why he started. But the reason why Mitchell deserves mention is because uh, Nato, Nato or Nito? Nito. Nito. How old Neto? Neto, sorry. Neto, all right. Neto, Neto is the backup point guard. He's... Mitchell's weak program. Mitchell's going to basically be the sixth man for this team. So I think you, you still have Ingles and Hood who are going to be starting at the two and three. Rubio is in no danger of losing minutes. He's going to be the starting one. So you have Mitchell basically. He's the sixth man. He's the backup guard. He's going to play both guard positions. So for me, that means interest in 14 team weeks. Um, but I need to see more from him. I'm not rushing out to pick him up, pick him up this week. A um, couple other rookies... That I'm kind of I'm in the wait and see mode. Um, Jason Collins in Atlanta and Jarrett Allen in New Jersey. Jarrett Allen's a long ways off. He's a didn't, long didn't ways off. Didn't even get off he, the yeah, bench. Coach, in game coach DMP. But as you mentioned, like Moskov only got about 14 minutes. Uh, Booker was the center. We all know what Booker is. He's not a part of the future for the Nets. So I think eventually, and this might be three months, four months from now, Jarrett Allen is going to have a significant role. Um, in in that front court rotation for the Nets, John Collins for Atlanta, meanwhile, is currently the backup big man for Atlanta behind Deadman and Ilyasova. Um, but he's looked great. He's looked great in the preseason. He looked great in Game One. And I think he, even if he continues to come off the bench, I think he's an immediate contributor in fantasy for twelve team leagues. Yeah, you look out at the boys out in Vegas and. His rookie of the year, winning the rookie of the year odds got better and better as the preseason went along. Not even necessarily because of his preseason play or play on the court. It just became clear that when looking at depth charts and looking at other rookies around the league, that you know he has a pretty much a clear path to minutes because it, it makes it'll make sense very very soon for this Atlanta team to invest in their young talent. So we could be seeing somebody like a John Collins go out there and play 30 minutes a game. And guess what? That's why Malcolm Brogdon won last year. Because if you would have put a lot of other rookies in his situation, it always comes down to playing time. And that's why John Collins, um, you know, odds of winning rookie of the year have increased as we've gone along because he has a route to lots of playing time. Well, and one of the intriguing parts about Collins, you know, like – like I mentioned earlier, 
this guy is an energetic player, like Jordan Bell. Like he gets out there and he can put he can fill up the stat sheet in limited minutes. He had fourteen and five in twenty two minutes in game one. He was doing similar things throughout the preseason summer league. So I I love what he can do. He averaged seven and a half and seven in nineteen minutes per game during the preseason. You give him 27, 28 minutes per game, he's going to be a double-double guy. He's going to be able to get you blocks and steals. So I like the upside of Collins, and I'm I'm adding him in 12-team leagues if I have a dead spot in the roster. Best of luck with those first round of waiver wire processing, fab processing. We will definitely check back in on that in a week because things will have changed a little bit. We'll have more data to pour over and look at. But let's switch gears here and talk about FanDuel. Fantasy basketball fans. (laughs) Basketball is back, of course, which means FanDuel is back. Fantasy basketball for the everyday fan, as you probably already know. New contests starting every day. That means no busted seasons Talking to you, Gordon Hayward, Jeremy Lin investors. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just a buck. Just pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score in real time. You know, Shannon, we, we are ecstatic. We are, you know, just full speed ahead with FanDuel. We're about to go over our FanDuel picks. Um, we're two of over two and a half million players that have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit, once again, fanduel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. Let's get into our first legitimate FanDuel picks. The preseason is just chaotic and crazy. We have you know, a little more to go off of now. Let's kick things off with a broader topic here, Shannon. Um, I don't know why anyone is going to target players on FanDuel tonight that are $10,000 or more because if you look at all the players currently on FanDuel, um, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six players that are $10,000 or more. Right under that benchmark, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler. You know, To me, those guys I just mentioned could all go out there and be the best producers tonight. Easy, easy. So I don't know if I'm willing to commit that extra $1,000, $2,000 to guys like Giannis, like John Wall, like LeBron James and Cousins, because I don't know that the prices have quite adjusted accordingly um, to you know who's the elite of the elite superstar. Any of those guys could be. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. If you are targeting a high-priced guy tonight, um, I think you go with someone from the New Orleans Golden State game. Uh, that over-under is, is one of the four games that's over 220. Wow. Um, so that's going to be a very high-scoring game. Uh I, I don't hate targeting Kevin Durant, um, but you're right. I'm not really I'm not really targeting those eleven eleven thousand dollar players tonight. Um, also, it should go with some mention here. If you played on FanDuel on Tuesday or Wednesday or even on Thursday, there was a huge price correction. So all those great discounts that you saw, like Dennis Smith Jr. or Oladipo, um, Collison, even Ben Simmons. Those guys have all been corrected, and, and the, tight, the, the salary is much tighter for Friday's slate, uh, which makes it a lot harder to stack a lineup. Like We saw lineups, I think you needed like 320-plus points to finish in the money in most GPPs on, on Wednesday night. Um, that's going to be lower tonight, and the tournament winning lineup will most likely be lower. You're not going to need to approach 400 points to win a tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna, it's going to be a lower-scoring night. Um, because of the drastic price corrections in the salaries. But, all right, let's talk about these guys. and Teams we're targeting, or games we're targeting, players we're targeting. Um, I mentioned the high over-under on the Gold State-New Orleans game. Um, the other games that have the, have high over-under of 220-plus, Portland-Indiana, Brooklyn-Orlando, and LA-Phoenix. So those are the four games that I'm really, really looking at and trying to find good value options from those. Uh, you know, the Indiana guys are interesting because they're all coming off big games. Um, Collison, Thad Young, Oladipo, Turner, who's questionable for tonight, um, all four had monster game ones. They played the Nets. They have another good good matchup. It's not, they're not going to score 140. 
Um, but it is going to be a high-scoring game. They should easily top 100 points. Um, you know, they're they're projected to hit about 110 points. So with that, I mean, Carlson, 5,600. I like him at that price. I don't expect him to put up 40 fancy points like he did in game one, but I, I think he's going to have a good a good night. Uh, Oladipo is another one. He's at 7,100. So, you know, there's a huge price correction there. I think that's up 1,000 from what he was on Wednesday night. Uh, but I think he's still a decent value. Turner's jumped way up. I think he's about 8,700 or so right too now. Too high for me. He's too high for me as well. Um, also, with the questionable tag, it just makes me avoid him. So, who who are some of the discounts you like? Are you targeting those games, or are you looking at other players completely? Well, I am targeting that Indiana-Portland uh, game, but not for the reasons that you mentioned or the team that you mentioned, because... Uh, you know, like I said at the top of the podcast, we are going to be targeting pretty much any team that the Nets play. But guess what? We should probably do the same for any team that Indiana plays. They gave up 131 points to the Nets. You yes. know, they won that yes. game 140 to 131. Let's not forget that both defenses were horrendous and a team of nobody scored 131 points on on uh, on the Pacers. So, I mean, just kind of go with your normal guys. You've got C.J. McCollum, Dame, Dame Lillard. Um, the guy that I'm going to go with is Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, he's only $7,900 at my center position. I, I just know that a 50-point FanDuel game is within him. You know, there, I'm not even going to say few and far in between because I really think he's going to have a lot of them this season and that he's going to settle into like an 85 to $8,800 player when it's all said and done. So getting him right now at $7,900, I'm going to keep going at him, keep going at him, and hopefully ride him as his price goes up. And then, you know, it'll be a more normal decision for me. So I'm targeting Indiana as well. And I'm mainly going to be doing that with Yusuf Nurkic. You know, it's so hard to choose between an Alfred Okaminu, a Maurice Harkless, because, you know, you know, sometimes I'll see even minutes. Sometimes one will see more than the other. So you're really playing a, a high risk, low reward game with those type of guys. Um, but you do want exposure to your middle tier um, players in a game that ends up scoring 270 points like that Nets Pacers game did. Um, in terms of other specific players, on our Rotowire Fantasy Basketball podcast feed right now, uh, posted yesterday, Joe Bartel interviewed Frank Kaminsky um, about esports and basketball and whatnot. Joe is our esports editor here at Rotowire. Announced early this morning, Shannon, Michael Kidd Gilchrist will miss tonight's game against the Hawks while away attending to personal matter. Cody Zeller, out of nowhere, bruise on his right knee. Frank Kaminsky at only $4,100 might be the highest owned player tonight. He clearly, clearly, clearly sees a bump in playing time from the, let's see, what did he play in that opener? He played 23 minutes. He might play, you know, 30 minutes, 32 minutes tonight with Zeller and MKG out. I don't love Frank the Tank. You don't? I even at 4,100, I don't love him. He's on our podcast feed. You have to love him. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not a Badgers fan, so. All right. All right. Frank Frank the Tank, he he chucked up a bunch of three-pointers in that opener as well. I agree. He will be the first big man off the bench. It'll help him. But the problem is he's still coming off the bench. I also really, really like Dwight Howard going up against Atlanta tonight. I think he's going to have some revenge in him. Oh, I love the revenge love game. The revenge games. So I think Dwight Howard's going to have a big night, which can which will take away from Kaminsky's upside. Um, but let's talk about big men. Let's talk about other centers. Uh, Kevin Love was moved to the center position in FanDuel. Um, he's sixty eight hundred. That's a very cheap price. I actually, Kevin Love. as a DFS player, I don't like that because. I think power forward Agreed. Is, is hard to fill. And Kevin Love is somebody that I ran out there like more than half of my lineups last year at power forward because it's it's a hard spot to fill. So I actually don't like that move. No, center, center I feel like center is actually pretty deep on, on the full slates for FanDuel, so it's tough. I mean, they're, and plus, you only start one center. You start two of every other position, but only one center. And when you have to side on one center, that's tough. And well, now you've got Kevin Love in the mix. I mean, also new on this slate, Giannis is at power forward. Yeah, and he had yeah. previously been at shooting guard, and I, I guess it's okay because shooting guard had always been tough to fill as well. So it's it's a horse horse piece there. It, it would be worse if he moved to point guard or small forward. But yeah, you'll see guys move around. Like Ben Simmons is currently a power forward. I think he was officially listed at was he officially listed at point guard for the start for for the first game? It's possible. Oh, I, I I I mean these positions are all meaningless in the NBA. No one has an actual position anymore. 
Um, but you, you might see Ben Simmons move from power forward to point, point guard eventually on FanDuel. Um, but I'm gonna, all right, besides Kevin Love, I mean, another big man I like, Gortat. Gortat's coming off a huge performance in game one. He had 46 fantasy points. He's going up against Detroit, so he's going to get lots of minutes against Drummond. Um, he's only 6,100. So, like, I, for instance, when I'm comparing Gortat at 6,100 to Nurkic at 79, I'm going Gortat because I think the discount is warranted. Um, Nurkic has more upside, sure, but we already saw Gortat go off. I think he's going to have – he's kind of been a forgotten man, but I think he's, he's going to get you double-digit rebounds every night and be a decent option. Three blocks in his opening yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, he had a huge game. It's, yeah. it's going to be one of his better games of the season. But I think – I mean, he's a pretty good bet to get 30 points. Um, you know, aside from those Indiana guys I mentioned earlier, uh, a couple other games I, I like. I like the Orlando-Brooklyn game. I like the L.A. Phoenix – the L.A. Lakers and Phoenix game. So – I'm going Booker. Booker Booker against L.A., he had a horrible first game. That They got blown out by 50 points. His value is, is didn't really go down. He's at 6,700 still, but I like Booker tonight. I think he's going to bounce back and have a huge game against a bad Lakers defense. Lonzo Ball. I like Ball. I, I, think, I think his ownership is going to be down because of the poor game one performance. I'm not worried about Eric Bledsoe's defense because as a whole, Phoenix – Phoenix's team defense is horrible, and we saw what Bledsoe could do against Dame Lillard in Game One. Jack crap! Like Bledsoe <laughs> is known as a good defensive player from his early days, but I actually don't buy that he's that great of a defensive player anymore. Um, and I also like Brandon Ingram in that game. Um, you know, he he didn't have a great showing in, in the first night. He he shot horribly from the floor, but he played thirty minutes and he had twelve five and four. He didn't even get you any defensive stats, which he will do. I, I feel like he'll get you at least a steal or a block most nights. Um, and then in the Orlando-Brooklyn game, Peyton would be a decent option. I think he's priced a little bit too high. Well, um, let's let's talk about him because in in accordance with last season, yes, this would be on the high at the high end of the spectrum for where he was last season. However, you know, there's more confidence that he's going to be run like you know ran out there for 30 minutes a game than there was last season. So I think. I think the price is fair, but it's a little hard for somebody like you and I who were paying $6,400 for him last season. Yeah, well, that, that probably is part of the decision for me. But I And I, I love the matchup. And at $7,500, he's not a horrible price. But I just look at guys who are just slightly cheaper than him. I look at Lonzo Ball, $6,800. Drew Holiday, $6,800. That's a steal for the Golden State game. Dennis Smith Jr., $6,500. Darren Collison, I already mentioned, 56. Like I like all four of those guys as better plays based on value than Alfred Payton tonight. But Payton's not a horrible option. If you if you want to spend big or spend bigger, uh, 7,500, go a little bit more expensive at point guard, you can. I just feel like with tonight's slate and the available options, you're better off going a little bit cheaper at point guard and spending that money elsewhere, which is why I'm going with his teammate, who is this guy's questionable. He's a game-time decision. Aaron Gordon, seventy five hundred. That's purely a matchup play. I actually don't like Aaron Gordon at that price at all. I just think power forward is extremely weak. You have Giannis and Anthony Davis. We've already discussed those two are pretty much priced out. Like it's a pain in the ass to get them in the lineup without some really risky plays at some other positions. Draymond Green, he's he's probable now, but he's he's a little bit dinged up. Um, ben Simmons, 7,700. He's my other power forward. And then Aaron Gordon, 7,500. But after that, the power forwards just drop off a cliff. There is no one priced under $6,000 that I want at the position. I mean, if you're, if you're feeling frisky, you can go with like Larry Nance. Or if you want if you want that young at 6,300, yeah, he's got a good matchup. But I, I'm just not a fan of, of some of these other options like Booker or Favors or, or Julius Randle. I, I've got to spend a little bit more. At power forward, hence Aaron Gordon. Or yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. I mean, you, you're going to go back to the well. Mm. You love Aaron Gordon. My power forwards tonight will be Frank, like I mentioned, and Thad Young. Thad Young, um, 45 fantasy points in that game. Granted, it was against the Nets, uh, but Portland doesn't necessarily have a good defense either. The, their scores are usually way up there as well. Um, yeah, it's tough. I really, really want to target Brooklyn not only tonight but all season long. Um, in, in line with what I was talking about before, you want to try to get exposure to those average-priced players in games that you think 
or teams that you think are going to score a lot of points. So for me, on an Orlando team, that means having exposure to Evan Fournier, uh, who was you know dropping in all drafts. You could have got him late in the rounds, but this is somebody who still you know was drafted pretty highly two years ago. Not highly, but you know um, decently well, maybe sixth, seventh, eighth rounds uh, a year ago. Um, should still be starting for the for the Magic at fifty six hundred dollars. I'm thinking that if he catches fire. Um, and the, you know, the game gets out of hand. It's somebody that you could still stay out on the court and whatnot. So that's my exposure for that game. I'm going to go back and forth on Alfred Payton, whether or not I want to, because you make a very, very valid point. There are a lot of enticing options who could do just as well, if not better than Alfred Payton. Um, any lasting thoughts about this Friday FanDuel slate, our first Friday regular season slate of the season, Shannon? I just can't stress it enough. I think targeting those four games with the high over-unders are the way to go. Um, but, mm, All right. Best of luck to you. Best of luck to me. And best of luck to all our listeners out there. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday Fantasy Basketball Podcast presented by FanDuel. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.